Sometimes we as busy parents don't make it a priority to show up emotionally for our kids. But let me tell you, those small situations that don't seem important to us sometimes are very important to our children. Today we are going to hear from Dr. Joshua Straub on how we can show up more intentionally for our families and how we can cultivate God's love into our children's lives. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I have a very special guest today, Josh Straub, and he is a speaker, author, marriage and leadership coach, and podcast and TV co-host. You might have heard of him and his wife, Christy. He is most renowned for his role as a husband and dad. Josh is the author and co-author of eight books, including Famous at Home, Seven Decisions to Put Your Family Center Stage in a World Competing for Your Time, Attention, and Identity, excellent book. He is also a fellow of the Townsend Institute for Leadership and Counseling. He and his wife, Christy, lead Famous at Home, a company equipping leaders and corporations in emotional intelligence and healthy family systems. And they co-host the Famous at Home podcast. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you. I, I have to tell you, I love all your resources. And as I told you before we started, I'd like to clone the both of you and have <laughs> like four or five more Josh and Christie's out there doing what you're doing. But oh, before, thank you. before we discuss your latest book, Famous at Home, could you share some of the amazing things that you and Christy are doing for parents? Yeah. So, you know, we have an organization called Famous at Home. And part of that is, I mean, really the, the crux of that is to raise the next generation. I mean, that's really our heart is to really hone in on those little hearts. And so we do that through, we, we both have counseling backgrounds and just the research that we've done through the years has really honed in on the area of emotional safety and the area of emotional intelligence and what that looks like. And, you know, we're really big fans of just really seeing that when you're spiritually mature, that you're going to be growing emotionally as well. So when you look at the fruit of the spirit and love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control, we know the world needs more of that. And being able to help cultivate that in our children from an early age is really our heart. And so we have a line of children's books uh, from what am I feeling to what do I do with worry? What do I do with anger? We actually have a new one out called 10 Days of the Easter Story. It is a, a family experience through the feelings of Holy Week. And so we're it's a 10-day devotional starting on Palm Sunday where we walk parents through what people were actually feeling during leading up to Jesus's death and resurrection and what the, what children might, how they might experience those feelings in, in, in today's world. And so we're really big on that. We also have a, a kids EQ Academy, uh, my kids EQ program. So it's a curriculum for kids building emotional intelligence, but it's biblically based. And so we're really excited about the direction we're heading with that. And just the, the ability to resource parents with, with these tools. Yes. You guys are on speed dial with the Lord, getting this information out to these parents. And so I'm so happy that you're doing this. And your book, Famous at Home, it has so much beneficial and exciting information for parents to use. But we only have so much time to touch upon a few of these unique ideas. So can you tell us about rubber band moments? Yeah. So in the book, there was a, there was actually a story that I wrote in the book where our son Landon, we were visiting uh, some friends. We were at their house down the street. 
And he, I was tucking him in bed. We showed up an hour, like an hour and a half past his bedtime back home. And so he was overtired to begin with, but I'm tucking him in bed and he just starts losing it. Like he just starts crying. And I said, buddy, what's wrong? And he said, I left my rubber band at Braxton's house, at his friend's house. And I, and I sat down with him. I, was, I remember very vividly, I'm sitting beside his bed. And the first thing I'm thinking of, and I actually said this to him, buddy, I can buy you a whole bunch, a bag of rubber bands. Like it's not that expensive. I can go get you more rubber bands. And through his tears, he just said, that's my sp- sp- special rubber band. And, and I knew in that moment, like I could, as a parent, you know, was he overtired? Yes, he was overtired. Could have I just, you know, bulldozed him and said, I'll just buy you some rubber bands. It's just a rubber band, you know, minimize it. It's just a rubber band. Who cares? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Tuck back in bed. And what I ended up doing was I ended up, I said, buddy, I said, I'm going to do everything I can to find that rubber band. I'm really sorry. And so I texted his dad and a couple of minutes later found out that he found it and he knew exactly where it was. His dad texted me back. I was going to go pick it up the next morning. And so I walked back into his bedroom to tell him that his dad had, had Braxton's dad had found it and his face lit up so big. And he just said, dad, thank you so much for finding that rubber band. And what I realized is he used it for everything. He had a special place for, for, for inventions and Legos and, and racetracks that he was building. But it also held a special place in his heart because he held it right on his nightstand next to his bed. And I think so often what ends up happening is we all have our kids have these rubber band moments. And a lot of times in our parental fears, our busyness, our overwhelm, we tend to just plow over the rubber band moments and and miss them. And I think every single one of us, even adults, we need to have someone pay attention to us in our rubber band moments where there's something that's meaningful to us. And it's like we don't know that anybody really cares about it. But at the end of the day, the father cares and Abba, father cares. And I think for all of us, you know, we love because he first loved us. And that ability to receive the father's love uh, reflects our ability to enter into our child's rubber band moments. I, I believe God looks down and he sees our rubber band moments because as adults, he's looking at us. What are you so worried? I'm going to take care of the flowers. I'm going to yeah. take care of everything. But what is important to us is important to him because he loves us. And, and same with us as parents for our children. And I think you're right. This day and age, we're so busy. So I like those rubber band moments. Tune into those feelings, those emotional feelings. Connect with your child because these are things that are important to them. And if you want them to tell you the important stuff later, you have to care about the small stuff now. Yeah. And and, and to not make the moment about us, but to make it about that. I, I wanted to make that moment about me. I wanted to just say, you're making a big deal of this. You know, don't worry about it. Like, but when we make it about us, what we do is we fail to enter into those small moments. And I think, the, as you just said, that's such a great statement. Those small moments is what gives us relational capital later for our kids to come to us in big moments. Relational capital. I like that. Well, in your book, you also state, instead, you live from love, not for love. You can show up for your family, not just with your family. Yeah. So, you know, I think what ends up happening is, is a lot of times we tend to chase, we, we have a chase that we're all pursuing. And, you know, as, as the book talks about, you know, the subtitle is, you know, seven decisions to putting your family center stage in a world competing for your time, attention, and identity. And this really comes down to identity. This, this, what you're, what, what, what we wrote here in the book is talking about, you know, where is our identity? And when we realize that our identity is as a son or daughter, of, of, of the Father through Jesus, that we are co-heirs with Christ. You know, just as, as in, in Matthew chapter three, when Jesus is getting baptized and the Father shows up, he, he's present at his baptism. So the Father is present. The Father also verbally affirms him. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
And then he also talks about his position, his identity. This is my son. And we are all sons and daughters. And I think we have to come to a place where we realize that our purpose flows out of our identity. And when we see that, what ends up happening is it changes how we show up. We're not chasing anymore. And so even that statement, you know, we're, we're showing up not just with our family, but for our family is purpose. There's purpose in that. In other words, we're not just showing up in these moments and just being, you know, physically present. But we have vision for what we're what we're accomplishing. We have vision for, you know, and a practical example of this for me is is we're living from love. So in other words, I'm experiencing my relationship from the Father. I'm experiencing that love that He has for me. And when I experience that love, I show up for my family. And so it's out of that mindset and that identity that I lead or I, I see it as me as a husband and a father. I love this word. C.R. Wiley talks about this pious, living a pious life. And, and basically what piety is, is it's a way of life. So what that looks like for me as a husband and a dad is if I see something around the house that needs to get done, I'm going to vacuum. I'm going to cook. I'm going to, I'm going to see the need. And that's because I get to live from love. And I don't always get this right, but there's a, there's a shift in your heart when you're living from love and not for love. And the for love piece is when we start chasing our identity outside the home. And then we come back home and we expect our spouse to serve us, or we expect our spouse to be doing their part, or we expect, you know, all these things out of our kids. And that's what creates tension is because now all of a sudden, instead of living out of a place of I'm doing this for them from love, now all of a sudden it's, it's, I'm doing this for love with them. Yeah. And, and that's a, it's a completely different shift. But it's it takes understanding where our identity lies. Yeah, it'll direct you in a different path. You'll do things differently, I believe. And it requires heart change. It really does. It requires heart change. But I think there is a shift there that can happen. And I think as you mature, shift that way, because I know I have. And this is a great segue into the line you have in the book, which I loved, that says, I thought I was emotionally mature. Then I had kids. (laughs) (laughs) I had a chuckle when I read that. And you state that you surveyed over 700 parents and asked them to name their greatest parenting struggles. And of course, you know, I think we all know this, but it's worth repeating. They're too busy and they feel inadequate. So, and a lot of what you're doing is helping them not to feel inadequate and to, and to use their time wisely. And and it goes with the description of being a parent, right? That you're busy and you're feeling inadequate. Oh, totally. I mean, as parents, I mean, it's full on. And and especially in an individualized Western world that we live in, where it's all about, you know, activities and, you know, success, it, it just adds to the pressure, especially then when you have social media and Instagram and Facebook, and you're seeing what the Joneses down the road are doing. And then all of a sudden, you feel like you have to keep up. And I mean, it's just it gets very overwhelming. And so that quote that I write there that, you know, I, I thought I was emotionally mature until I had children. Our children are like a mirror, you know, it's like you didn't realize how, how, how deceitful your heart was until you have children. And then you're like, oh my gosh, uh, I really am not totally there the way that I thought. And, and I think it's sanctifying. I think it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, one of the things we talk in the book about is rhythms. And, you know, from the very beginning in Genesis, God created rhythms. He created the world in seven days. It started with a seven day rhythm. And I genuinely believe that one of the best ways to practice uh, not being so busy is to rediscover Sabbath. And so one of the things that we've done in our own home is we, we, we go back to the, to, the, to the Jewish roots and we have a Shabbat dinner on Friday nights. 
We as a family practice uh, Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. We do that because we go to church on Sunday and and we serve at our church on Sunday. And so there's not really a lot of rest going on on Sunday till you go to church, you serve, you come back home and you're getting ready for the week. So we really try to hone in on Saturday being that day of rest. And so, and, and we try to defend that rhythm as much as we possibly can, but it takes work to rest. You have to plan it. If you don't, what ends up happening is you resort back to the way of life that you were living. And so, you know, there's a lot of different things that we have done and are doing in our family that, that again, take time. But I would just encourage you to start with rest, start with that one day a week rhythm of rest. It, you know, Jesus said in Matthew, a man was not created for Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. And so it was created for us as a gift so that we can live from rest, not for rest. You know, the song, I'm living for the weekend. It's like, we're not living for the rest. We're living from it. And and it's a whole different mindset shift. And so we talk about rhythms in there, a, a new rhythm that we have recent or that I've recently started doing. Christy's done it to a degree is I've dummied my phone down completely to text and calling and that's it. And so I have no Safari. I have no email. I have nothing following me anymore. So that during the day when I'm with my family or, or during the evening or whatever, when I'm with my family, I'm genuinely with my family and there's no, no temptation to do any types of scrolling of any kind. So I think it's up to you to decide like, where are we, where we all have the same amount of time in the day and you go back to Deuteronomy 6 and you can start to see where those key times of the day are for, for instilling the word of God in the hearts of our kids when they wake and, you know, during drive time and during bedtime and during meal times, cultivating those times throughout the day, but then giving up the distractions during those key times when we're with our kids, I think is another way to do daily rhythms that, that can really, really make a difference. That's great. I hope people will go out and get famous at home. Seven decisions to put your family center stage in a world competing for your time, attention, and identity. I just love everything you're doing and your wife. We'll have all the links in our show notes for our parents. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor being with you. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. 